So I'm going to create a really beautiful, cohesive show, and I am not going to stress. Do you know where this is going? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a very special episode of Art Juice. This week, Alice is taking a well-deserved break, and I am joined by American artist Jackie Fail. That's F-E-H-L, and you want to look her up. Jackie is a mixed-media artist who describes her work as a blend of grunge, whimsy, and outsider, and she divides her time between working as an artist and a professional voiceover actor. Welcome, Jackie, and thanks for agreeing to be on. Oh, thank you so much, Louise. It's an honor to I'm be so, here. I'm so excited. This week, we'll be following all of our normal structure as our main topic. We'll be diving into the topic of the process of making our art. We'll get into how we work, how our process is developed, what we feel is important. We'll just kind of see where that one goes. But first of all, um, tell us what you're working on at the moment, Jackie. Well, it's very exciting. I just recently got a very large commission, actually the largest commission I've ever had, from a local hospital. They did a call for artists locally, and they're building new wings in the hospital. So I was chosen for a large piece that will be in the brand new pediatric wing. Oh, amazing. Um, so I'm very thrilled. Um, I'm a little nervous because it's quite lo- It's the largest size-wise I've ever worked on. How big is it? <laughs> it's 48 by 48, but I'm only five feet, so <laughs> <laughs> it might not be big for some So I, are you going up a ladder to get to the top bit? So <laughs> I'm going from like wall to the table, you know, flat to the wall, and just lifting this thing is just, and it's on board, not canvas, so it's quite heavy. Right, um, oh, that is heavy. So have they said what they want, or are, you, are they giving you free reign? Well, they did pick out a, a painting from a long time ago that had sold, and it was a small painting. So to scale up is quite challenging, because a pencil line on a 24 by 24 disappears on a 48 by 48. But they had chosen a, an older piece, um, Birds, that, which I'm kind of known for doing birds. But this particular painting that they chose was kind of dark. I don't know why. I had like muted brown colors and there were like drips. But some of the drips, if it wasn't the right um, light, could look like blood. I don't know. I, I was kind of not excited about the one that they chose. So recently I did another bird painting a similar composition, but just much brighter colors and these little dots, which I'll tell you about that I've been working on lately. And I suggested gently to them, what about this one? It might be a little happier (laughs) or current my work. And Luckily, they went for it. So I'm trying to kind of recreate this painting large scale, which is quite challenging, but it's also fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, as long as it feels fun, that's good. I had just this week decided actually to give up on a a commission and it was an unusual commission. I had two commissions come out of our recent open studios. One of them, the guy just gave me some colors that he was interested in having in his room and said, could you do something in these colors? And I loved the colors. So mixing up cool. the colors was fun and I, and I was free to do whatever I wanted. I finished the painting in about two weeks. He came, he loved it, he bought it. It went swimmingly. Yes. 
But the second one was she saw a really big painting. She paid me a third as a down payment because she said she couldn't afford it all. Then she went home and she rang, she rang up and said, oh, it's too much. I think she said my house is too small, but I think really it was too much money. Oh. But she asked if I could do something for the amount of money she paid me um, smaller. And could I in the same colors? And I can't get started on this one because she wants more of a, she wants that painting, but smaller. And that painting evolved really naturally. So I, ca I can't even bring myself to try and get started because I don't know what to do. I can't even remember what all those colors were that are in it. And oh. I just decided today, and I feel much better that I'm going to write to her and say, actually, I just don't think I can do it. I'm really sorry. And just give her the money back. So it's interesting, isn't it? It's as long as you feel excited by it, it's great to do. But when they feel like a chore, it feels like a job. Yes, I had... Um... <laughs> a family member, you know, mean really well and say, oh, I want to have some of your art. Could you, could you do this beach scene with sandals? And I don't do anything like that. <laughs> Not at all what I do. Like, you know, I appreciate that you want to give me some business, but I, it was so out of my wheelhouse. I couldn't even pretend to be excited. I just said, no. Yeah. <laughs> give you a family discount. Pick something else out, but no. <laughs> Oh, well, good luck with this commission. Thank you. So let's dive into our main topic. I'm really excited to talk about this with you, Jackie, because I'm such a huge fan of your work. At the moment, I own, as you know, a very small piece of yours that I bought online on a whim one day. But one day I would like to own something much bigger. I just absolutely love everything you do. And it, when people look you up, they'll see that your work is really quite unique. And I'm interested to know um, your creative process and how it's developed over time. Have you always worked the same way? And how do you actually just start a piece? I know that's a lot of questions. First of all, I love your work as well. I especially love your most recent like reds and oh, you thank you behind you right now. I love the <laughs> colors; so beautiful. Uh, my process. Um, I mean, do you begin with an intention? Do you know what you're going to do? Sometimes, like for this commission, yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have an idea, like uh, my husband makes my boards for me, and sometimes he'll make me these very thin little flimsy boards because we've been chopping up my 18-year-old deck furniture, and he constructs these kind of cool <laughs> frames out of our deck furniture. So I know that if it's a deck furniture piece, it's going to have to be more on the whimsical side. So I'll have maybe an idea for something for that. Um, otherwise, sometimes I just start out laying down marks, color, and I try not to think about it too much. But it really does depend. And sometimes, <laughs> lately, I've been painting over so many paintings. Have you? <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a pile, a stack. And sometimes I'll want to keep something from the original painting, but a lot of times I don't. So I guess it really depends. And do and you begin, what do you begin with? Is it collage? Is it paint? Or can it be anything? It could be anything. First, you could throw some gesso on and then I usually write or mark, just add some marks because that big blank white space or black, yeah, whatever yeah. color gesso is so intimidating. 
And then sometimes I'll throw, I just, I'm obsessed with painting on paper, like that I rip up and use as collage pieces. So I'll slap some paper down and it just breaks it up. Then I'll paint over that. And then maybe I'll sand through so that some of the um, collage paper will show through. Maybe I'll say, I'm hoping a house is going to come out of here, or I'm hoping a bird will show up. But it doesn't always happen. <laughs> oh, how interesting. Because because there's representational elements to it, I always imagine, well, you have to know, right, I'm going to make a bird now, I'm going to make an owl. But no, you don't have to. Sometimes, or it just, I, I start out with that intention and I just don't like it. Um, lately, I've been doing these, um, I guess they're balls or dots. And it literally just came out of, I wanted to play with color and value, and I didn't want to think about a subject matter. I wanted to almost go into this meditative state of process. So just circles were really simple. Some I wanted to be very primitive. Some I wanted to look like they were floating in space or 3D. Sometimes I would replace a circle with a horse, an image, or a fish. And this ended up becoming so much fun because I wasn't thinking about what is this going to be? I knew right away, it's just going to be balls or dots. Right, right. So, so what happens if I don't have to worry about a subject matter? And I've loved doing this. So what I've been doing is making these papers of balls and dots, cutting them up, gluing them on, and then making birds out of them. So that will be the bird body let's say. Oh, cool. So that's been kind of new that I've been doing. Or I make these little small boards that I've been playing with and I'll do dots on those. And now I'm trying to figure out, hmm, okay, the dots are just little gumball sizes or big gumball sizes. Now, if I were to scale up, those dots would be lost. How do I make those dots bigger and still keep the lines that I'm liking? Right. So that's kind of... I'm just in, absorbed with these balls right now. <laughs> so it's, it's really for you. And I find this for me when I'm at my best, but often I'm not at my best. And when I'm at my best, I'm playing yes. and exploring. And when I get it wrong is when I stop doing that and start imposing on it. And it sounds like you found a place at the moment where you're really in that playful mode still. At the and, moment. <laughs> yeah and not and not putting because I'll tend to be like oh right that's a great idea and then I can see all these possibilities for like a whole series and a gallery show and blah 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 and then it's all gone because now I've started to think too far ahead and mess it all up I'm so with you on that yes I mean I don't know how long these balls are gonna last <laughs> it's just what I'm doing right at this moment and I don't know if it'll translate larger I have a couple of large canvases standing by, but I'm a little intimidated. Again, maybe like you said, I'm thinking too much. Now, yeah. as, as someone who works full-time as well, or certainly, I don't know how many hours you work in the voiceover work, but you have another job. Yeah. And how, one of the things I found, because I have another, my other job is teaching uh, my online courses now but it's still another completely separate thing that takes up time so when I get painting time I really have to fight this sense that right you've only got three hours today and you probably won't have any time tomorrow so you better make the most of it and get something moved along and not play and mess around that's a lot of pressure 
It is. And how do you, do you ever feel that? Do you fight that? Um, yeah, you know, I found so funny. I remember Nicholas Wilton saying something like, oh, he just, even if he just goes for 20 minutes, you know, he'll pain, he'll do some. I tried that. I can't, I need a big block of time or I start looking at the clock. I didn't really realize that till recently. I need at least three hours or else I just, I don't get productive at all. I'll piddle around. I'll put it off and go, oh, I'm done. (laughs) I gotta go up. But see, I work from home. My voiceover work is from home. And although I don't do it for many hours per day, I do have a lot of auditions where I basically record for free and hope that I get the job. But I'm home. I paint from home. I do that from home. I have my dogs at home. But, you know, I can also, oh, the laundry needs to be done. The dishes need to be done. The bills need to be paid. I mean, I... And then there's all the there's all the admin stuff as well. Because the last time we spoke, you were saying that you were changing galleries or you were changing selling space. You'd been in one place and you were decided to move on. And so there's all that side of things too. There's the yes. marketing side and organizing shows and all of that. Whew, which that's just the... takes up huge amounts of time, I find. Yes. Plus you're doing an online course. I mean, that must be yeah very difficult because the whole other side of your brain even though it's about art it's still different yeah what I do love about doing that actually is it is it has become part of my process because it forces me to paint because part of what I do in the course is I film myself painting every week and I edit it down into a you know shorter film and I put that up as part of the course and I did it the first time just thinking, oh, well, this will be a, an extra bonus. But actually, it turned out that was most people's favorite thing. Oh. So I have to keep it when I do it again. But it's great because it forces me to have set painting time aside. And I just stick my phone on a tripod and leave it there. And then I can cut out all the boring bits of me wandering about looking like confused or <laughs> fixing up paint or sitting down for a while for a cup of tea. Um, <laughs> And but so that's a big goes, part of the creative process, though. I think people just, exactly. think, just go down, you whip up a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. no, you're staring at it for big chunks of time. <laughs> well, when you see these films, it looks like I don't have to spend any time thinking. I just put another color on, put another color on. But it's actually not that, obviously. But, um, <laughs> but talk. I saw something that I wanted to read to you when I was looking up for this topic, which was a Brian Eno quote. He's talking about his creative process. And he says, it quite frequently happens that you're treading water for quite a long time. Nothing dramatic seems to be happening. And then suddenly everything seems to lock together in a different way. It's like a crystallization point where you can't see any single element having changed. There's a proverb that says that the fruit takes a long time to ripen, but it falls suddenly. And that seems to be the process. Absolutely. When I read that quote, I felt like, oh, I'm okay then. Because... I can have, um, you were mentioning the red painting, the first one of those, it was weeks and weeks of fiddling and faffing with it, going nowhere. And then all of a sudden in one session, it came together really easily and it gave me the idea for about three more in a row all came out of that. What changed? I have no idea. And I love that idea that there's some locking point that happens and suddenly it's oh, it's okay, and you get the thing. Because when, if you think of it that way, then you're not going to worry when it's not happening. 
worry is the buzzkill of art and any creative process. When you start worrying, you're adding this element of stress and you close yourself off to inspiration. I, I find for me, if I'm worried or trying to control, 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 I leave no room to hear the whispering of inspiration or that one little thing that's going to change everything. I have recently have started meditating at night. Um, mm -hmm. I do a lot of like guided meditations with these apps that are lovely. Um, and I find I try really, what I try to do is really relax and trust the process and don't try to make anything happen. Just relax and hope that my inner being, my inner artist will guide my hand or whisper something like, maybe you need a bit of pink in the corner. So when I was obsessing or, you know, thinking about this commission, oh, these birds. And, and I, one night I was just meditating and I very clearly heard this voice say, you know, it's going to be in the children's wing. Why don't you hide some fish in the painting and make it interactive? Have the <laughs> children try to find the fish and do some very obviously and do some not so obvious. They could, they could spend hours doing that. That could take their mind off of things. The, you know, and, and it came to me like, oh, it totally changed the piece as well. Because now I'm like, where am I going to hide these little fish? But had I been so worried about the process and, oh, I have to control it, I would have never heard that little idea, which literally was a whisper and that excited me a lot. Um, wow, that's so cool because I've not managed meditation. No. I, I've tried and I, I just haven't managed it, but everybody talks about the value of it for, for so many different things, but particularly for creativity. And to hear such a concrete example, that's really well, cool. Also, you could get obsessive and stressed about meditating. You know, I know. So I can't meditate. To... I have to try and meditate. Well, that's what I do. Yeah. I sit there and I'm like, you're doing it again. You're thinking. You're not supposed to be thinking. And then I start <laughs> getting angry at myself. And it's just, it just really doesn't work the way it's supposed to. But I love that example because I do believe that we all have this intuition about what we should do. And I do believe that intuition is more powerful than thinking when it comes to art by 10,000 times. I think, I think my best paintings are 90% intuition and 10% thinking about making sure that the composition's interesting and the colors work together, but 90%. And, and I tend though to veer into 60, 40, 60% 60 thinking, 40% intuition, but the best ones are 90%. So, so if we practice listening to ourselves, I think that is going to help. And it sometimes takes a long time. You don't get answers when you're like, come on, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. <laughs> it, it sounds a bit like your play aspect in the studios, the way you describe playing with the circles and the balls. That sounds like a different type of meditation, though. It's the same, it's the same in the sense that you're trying to create a space for something to come through that you hadn't ever thought of. And because I took the whole, what am I going to paint? What am I going to make out of this out of the equation? That allows me to have more fun with color, with line, with um, how does this look next to this one? Or now this one looks better. How do I elevate this little ball? So it takes something out, uh, the, the worrying about the final product. 
So that's why I'm having fun. I don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> I seriously <laughs> might be like, I'm done with these. <laughs> How much has your process changed? Because there'll be people listening who have a very set process that they're happy with. And there'll be people listening who feel like I haven't even found my thing yet. You know, I don't know what I do. I paint all sorts of things and I don't know how to develop a process. Do you think it's something that you can think about or is it just something that develops over time? I'm not sure. I think I kind of relate to that second person you said. I don't always know what exactly my process is. Like you said as well, sometimes I'll go down to paint and it's just nothing happens. So I'm just not, I'm trying not to worry about it too much, which is why I commissions could be very stressful because you do have to worry about, you have a due date, you have, you know, usually a subject matter, you're pleasing someone else. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm just painting for myself, then I try not even to think about the process. I just go down and do it. Your work is, and this is not flattering, it's, it's so beautiful and so perfect for what you're describing that if you just paint it for yourself, it will be wonderful and they will love it. I can, we can all see that from outside looking at all your paintings, but I know it doesn't feel like that it from inside. Thank you for saying that, but uh, for a while I was doing these silhouettes I had just had so oh, much. Oh, I loved those. And the, there were these men. They were kind of mad men in yeah. suits. No one's buying them. To be <laughs> honest, I love them. I ha and I'm going to keep a few of them for myself it, uh, and hang them up. Um, but no, there's some silhouettes I'm going to be painting over. And you it's funny because I painted them. I loved them. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to sell. <laughs> I absolutely love those. That genuinely shocks me because those were really different as well. And they were, um, you had as well, you had painted those grids. Yes. And for everybody that. listening, I will put links to Jackie's website in the show notes so you can check this out while you're listening. And it would be very frustrating if you can't find what I'm talking about. But the grids, sometimes you had a madman type figure in those as well, or a woman. Yeah, none of them sold. <laughs> That's insane. It's insane the world's gone mad. <laughs> I just, I, I can't even, that's got to be also part of my process now is like you said, I have to love it and I have to not worry about, is it going to sell? Because yes. then I would just be painting one formula over and over and over and over again. And then I would just die a slow death. <laughs> yeah. No growth. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think there are, I've, I've met people who can do that, who can happily, you know, find something that people love and then produce. A few weeks ago, Alice was mentioning, she was speaking to a top gallery somewhere in London who were interested in her work. And she, they, they said, how many can you give us a month? And she said, how many do you get? And they said, well, as many as 50 a month. One person gives them 50 paintings a month. How do you, well, the only way you can do that is because you've got a process and a sub, you've got a thing and you just churn them out, obviously. Oh my gosh. Um, I can't even imagine that's more than a painting a day. Yeah. And this is a, you know, a high end contemporary gallery. This isn't like just a crafty thing. So there are people who do that very happily and probably very lucratively as well. Like once you've I can't found... imagine selling 50 paintings in a month. I know. <laughs> well, I, I cannot make enough paintings 
to sell to sell enough so i i i'm quite happy with the things that sell and like you if they don't i'm gonna start i've got a few that i'm gonna paint over um but i'm quite happy with my sales ratio of making to selling but it's my making ratio that is quite slow you know which means i just can't produce enough to be uh churning over money i'm curious are would you consider yourself a like it takes you a long time to do a painting or you just don't have a lot of time in the studio you know like when you say you're not creating enough work is that because you create slowly or you're not in the studio enough i think it's a combination of both but primarily that i just am very slow at the moment and the paintings that work out the best are the ones where I fumbled towards a result and I got stuck for a while and they stayed against the wall. And then all of a sudden in one painting session, maybe that's why the Brian Eno quote appealed to me, mm -hmm. all of a sudden in one session, I either see what to do or I just paint crazily and I'm almost done from being stuck to almost done. But the process of getting to the where I got stuck part it's it's a long time and how so how many do you work on at the same time i'm usually i i probably between five and seven and would um, you say you work in a series like are they all related to each other at the same time hmm yes and no so they are all in subject matter and often in color palette but because some of them get stuck and then they stay there, my color palette might shift or even the way I'm approaching the paint might shift and they're still there on the side looking in the, in the old palette. But what, I, what I've been thinking is, this would be interesting, I've been thinking what I do is I go through this process of building up layers within trying to make a good painting. And then I see something at the end and I turn it into something and I love it. But maybe I would be faster if I just slapped on layers of paint with absolutely no thought of making a good painting and did that for three or four layers and then look at what I've got and then maybe still have my magic half an hour where it all falls into place. Try it. It would be fun. I know. Maybe see. that's the answer. Maybe instead of this trying, 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 then get stuck. I think the place where I get stuck, I don't know if this happens to you, but there's a point where it's not a finished painting, but something really cool has happened that I like. And um, I know it's not finished, but I don't know what to do without losing everything I've got. So that's when it goes to one side. And that's what I'll discover just at the last minute is kind of, oh, I can see what I can do without losing everything. And then done. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think this is what I will try. This is, this could be a new process for me. I'll try just having fun, uh, making lots of textures and putting lots of paint on and not being concerned and then just seeing if there's anything there. What's the worst that could happen? I have to send it all back and start again. Yeah, it's fine. I, so many people paint in series and I absolutely understand intellectually why that is such a good idea. But I, this is another thing about my process, very rarely paint in the series. Um, you know, again, I'm going to refer to Nicholas Wilton, who always talks about differences, mm -hmm. um, light against dark value, you know, uh, saturated color next to muted color. So when I paint, 
I have to have differences because I also, like you said, I will be doing things and then I'll get stuck. There'll be one thing that I like and I try to save that and then I, I get stuck. So I put it off to the side. So it works for me sometimes, well, a lot of the time, I'll have maybe three paintings going at once. They're complete opposites. Like I might have a whimsical, colorful bird painting in the corner and then on my easel is some monochromatic abstract or something. They're complete opposite. So when I get stuck, I go to the next one that I can't even bring my stuckness with me. And yeah. I do have things sitting for like months. I have a big dot ball painting that's just, I did like two of them and it's just sitting in the corner. I can't even look at it. I'm getting stuck in overthinking at this point, the underlayers, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same thing. It's the, it's that, it always comes back to thinking too much, I think. And I know that's not true for everyone because there must be artists who their work is very intellectual and it is all about thinking. There must be. But oh, yes. It's not and people that do real, realistic paintings or, you know, live figure drawing. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. But when you get into like abstraction, that's just a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I, I mention this often, so I'm sure people are tired of hearing me say it, but when I first became serious about making art, I really believed um, there's a right way that proper artists do things. I've seen it on TV where they, they teach you in proper art school to lay your palette out in a certain way and do things a certain way. And there's, there's a right way to do things. And I haven't got that right way. So I'm not doing it. The, I'm not doing it right and it's taken me a while to realize that our own individual way of doing it is right. And that's all there is to it. There isn't a right way or a wrong way. No, so, and a lot of the best art out there are the rule breakers or you yeah. know, the innovators of the time that you know, did something completely different. Um, Mark yeah. Chagall did things, look at his composition was all over the place. I mean, yeah. Picasso stuck a nose on the side of the face. Yeah. No one had done that, but those were the breakthrough. That when you break those rules, um, that's where a lot of the Jackson Pollock too. I, mean, I was going to say, yeah, throwing house paint all over the floor <laughs> right. doesn't seem like it's going to result in anything amazing, and yet look at those paintings. So all we can say is uh, we each have our own process, and they're all different. And I think they probably also evolve, don't they? That's the fun of creating art. I mean, is creation and that is the why we do it because we want to I, I don't know about you I want to be inspired while I'm making art I don't want to just like you know cookie here we go do the same thing do the same yeah, thing yeah like I want to be delighted and surprised along the way exactly or we might as well be accountants right Ooh. <laughs> Not, nothing wrong, nothing against accounts. I am no, sorry. To them. <laughs> yeah, we just don't I want would, to be one. I would be awful. <laughs> now, instead of, we often have a listener question, but I want to bring my own question to this conversation today, which is how do you define success as an artist? This is something I'm currently wrestling with, and I think perhaps you are too. And yes. I thought it would be an interesting topic for us just to give a quick take on in terms of, so what 
do you have a vision of what you would love your art career to look like or are you still figuring that out definitely still figuring it out I think that I want something and then something happens and it doesn't go that way and then I find oh that's actually better or you know I don't know um, again it's like not knowing what the painting is going to be exactly I don't it, that's where art and life are the same. I don't know exactly what my trajectory is going to be. I know that I don't want to be obsessively stressed about it. I want to remember that I chose to be an artist. I chose it for many reasons, and I'm sure you know lots of artists have different reasons, like the freedom to create, to be my own boss in the sense of I decide what I paint, um, making my own hours. You know, there's many reasons to choose something. Um, so I never want to ever feel that I'm trapped or stuck or I have to create this amount of paintings to make this amount of dollars every month or I'm not, you know, not succeeding. So, I mean, I'm also wrestling with this too. Like what is success? And I think different, you know, people might have different perceptions. They might make assumptions like, oh, look at you, you have X amount of followers, or you keep showing up on my Pinterest board, or you must be very successful. Well, if I define how many times I'm shared on Pinterest, perhaps. But if I look at my bank account for sales in the month of May, I might have a different answer. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. How do you think about it or what when do you feel successful maybe I should ask that that's a good question isn't it? when do I feel successful I feel successful when I sell paintings but not for the money side of things I have done lots of things in my life that paid a lot more money than selling paintings a lot more easily so it's not because of the bank account so much as the fact that I think it's that somebody's responding so positively to something you put your heart and soul into. And I, I've steered away from even approaching galleries. I don't want to make it sound like I've been inundated with gallery requests because I haven't, but I haven't even pursued galleries or gone down that route, partly because I think I wouldn't see the people who bought the paintings and I wouldn't know what they loved about them and I wouldn't see their face when they saw them. And there's, so for, I, I really felt successful when the man who asked for that painting came back the other day. And when I saw his face light up because it was, he was so excited. And when he just said, I'll have it without any kind of discussion, um, I felt successful then. And so I think I've just answered my own question. Because for me, pursuing getting better and better at what I'm doing so that I have that feeling more and more often, I think is probably my definition of success rather than getting into this group or that group or this top gallery or that. I, I, I don't really have any involvement in that world or care about it. I, I know an amazing amazingly talented artist. Um, I'm not going to say his name. I don't know how well known he, he is or whatever, but his work has evolved over the years. He's highly technical. He paints very large. He's been in museums, um, very well respected. 
he has a day job. Like wow. he does. He and I had once I was talking to him one time and I said, Oh, but you, you know, you've got this and this. And he says, I sold one painting in a year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so is he successful? He's in museums. He's yeah. well respected. He's incredibly talented and his work is evolving. So I would say yes. But then again, you know, so I don't measure myself either by sales or numbers or how many followers I have. Like you, I love the connection um, that comes. And even though sometimes I'm not in a ton of galleries at all, in fact, I would like to pursue that. But um, for me, it is that connection. And sometimes you don't see your buyer, you don't know. But just the other night, this was so strange. I went out to support a bandmate. I'm also in a band. And I had played there a few years ago. And this woman came running up to me. She says, oh my gosh, you're in such and such band. I said, yes. And she says, you're not going to believe this. I went to this gallery um, a few years ago and I bought this painting that I absolutely love. I didn't know, but it was yours. Oh, wow. I didn't know this. She bought it like two years ago. But just that moment of her sharing that story that she bought that painting because she loved it so much. She didn't know me. Yeah. And then it, she, it added more value when she went, oh, and I know, and I love her. Yeah. So for me, that was like, yes, that is what it's about. Somebody loves my work and, and they're happy and they laid out their hard-earned cash to own something that I made. Oh, my gosh. I think we both probably have the same, we do have the same definition of success, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So now, Jackie, one, every week we talk about what's inspired or impressed or excited us this week. So tell me about your week. Well, it's a little bit, it's a little bit longer than a week, but I'm going to share this story um, because it's kind of, it ties into the process of not always knowing what the end result is going to be and the choice you have along the way to be stressed about it or trust in the process. So this is kind of life imitating art. So um, over a year ago, uh, a gallery space, uh, they rent art stu uh, studio spaces to artists. They're a very large building in another city, about six hours from where I live, contacted me out of the blue. They found me online. They wanted to offer me a solo show and they gave me a year to do it and free reign. So I was beyond honored. Oh my gosh, they found me. This is so exciting. I set out as my goal that I have a year, I'm going to create a really beautiful, cohesive show. And the big thing is, I am not going to stress. I'm going to not wait for the last minute. I'm going to just take my time and enjoy the process. And you can, you know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was my intention. and I was sticking to it. Meanwhile, I had other little group shows or solo, you know, or yeah, group shows along the way. So as I was creating for those things that maybe had a specific subject matter, I kind of kept the color palette similar or kept silhouettes. I kept it cohesive so that at the end, whatever didn't sell there, I would roll over into the solo show. So everything's good. I'm not stressing. Great. So a couple of months before the show is I'm to deliver these paintings and it's a huge space, by the way very large. I needed a lot of paintings. 
the curator um, says, oh, you know, I want to see what you're doing. I'm really excited. So, oh, great. So we set up a private page on my website where she could see all the paintings in one space. I was very proud of my husband for organizing this for me. So there would be an image, the title, the description, the dimensions, and the price. So I felt very organized. So I was so excited. I sent all that off because I was done. I mean, it's two, two months out. I'm done. Everything's done. I feel great. So she writes back a couple days later and says, great, thank you so much. Wow. Okay. So I would like to swap out a few paintings. I would like to swap out this one, 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 or these that are listed on your website, not for sale, but just like in a gallery where you could just view past work. Every single painting she wanted to swap out was my older work and had sold. <sighs> my stomach dropped. I went into a panic. I wrote her back and I said, so um, I'm sensing you're kind of wanting my older work. And she said, yes, that's why we chose you. I went into an absolute panic tailspin, gathered myself together and I wrote her back. And I had other things coming up in this couple of months, or it was actually a month and a half now before the show where I'm to deliver all this work. And I said, I have got other deadlines. I have travel. I'm in a, gr a group show. I mean, I can try to recreate some of this older work for you, but I'm not going to be able to put together an entire show and redo everything. So she said, great, just do the best you can. So I went into panic mode. Wow, my goodness. So I picked myself up. I went into the studio and she wanted lots of birds and houses. I could not go backwards. I could not paint what I did years ago. Not saying that was good or bad. I'm just a different person. So I could have gone into, I could have stayed in that panic mode and I could have tried to copy older work. It would have been a disaster. So instead, what was really cool is I took this time, this intense time where I told my family, I'm not doing laundry. Everyone's on their own for dinner. And I used that time to really focus. And I said, okay, she wants birds. I know she wants bright colors. How can I elevate this? How can I make it better? How can I make it current? How can I make it to be work that I would want now? And I ended up focusing really deeply, more than I probably would normally. And I started creating work that I liked. And it was cool. Was the show, I, I ended up with like seven different paintings, which is a lot for me. I paint very slowly as well. Yeah. So was the show cohesive? No, it wasn't. But it was done. And yeah. it looked good altogether. And I was proud of the pieces. I did not crank out crap just because somebody said they wanted this or that. Not saying my older work was crap, but it was older work. Yeah. So that is a good thing that came out of it. One of those pieces was using those balls and creating birds from that, that the hospital ended up choosing as the large commission piece. That piece would have never happened had I not had that time to focus and go to that space. So I guess that long story is. Oh, how that, interesting, yeah. You know, the process of like, a, where it could seem like everything's going wrong, or, oh no, this is a nightmare. I couldn't see down the road that actually all those little stumbling blocks led to something really nice that would not have happened had I not had those stumbling blocks. 
That's brilliant. It reminds me of, I, I heard a, a story, I think it's a Buddhist story, but I'm going to botch it. But it's basically a guy wins a car in a contest and all his friends say to him, he's so lucky that you won a car. And he says, maybe. And then his, he drives the car, gets in a horrible car accident, ends up in the hospital. And his friends say, you're so unlucky to have had the crash. And he says, maybe. And then while he's in the hospital, his house burns down to the ground. And he's not injured because he's in the hospital. And his friends say, you're so lucky you're in the hospital. And he says, maybe. And I just love that idea that we, we think we know when something bad or good happens. We think we know, oh, that was bad or that was good. And actually, we have no it's idea. Not, it's not black and white. There are so many beautiful shades of gray in between. Yeah. 50, I'm told. Um, <laughs> But that's the, you know, just like art, you know, you think, oh, this painting has to be exactly this, but those accidents lead to the breakthrough paintings that can then inspire a series like your red series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this, what could have been a stressful show ended up stretching me in ways that I might not have stretched. And now I'm really enjoying getting back in and focusing on these balls and dots and see where that's going to lead me or maybe it won't. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, my this week's inspiration is um, similarly, it's actually along, along those lines in the sense that I don't know if it's inspiration or just a rabbit hole I'm going to go down and it won't lead anywhere. So I felt the urge quite a few months ago to buy this box of paper ephemera that I saw on eBay and it was really cheap and I was like it was a whole box and it was a really good price I was like oh I'm gonna buy that and I didn't know why really although I do love old papers of any kind and so I got this whole box and it has old newspapers it has receipts for things it has photographs has all sorts of stuff in there um reproduction old photographs but still these are real people from the past who at one point had a snap taken and now it ends up in a box in my house and that box sat in my studio for a couple of months and then last week I started to look through it and I got really excited by some of the things in there and I started to collage them onto boards of failed paintings that I wanted to cover over and um, I now have two unfinished, but kind of stuck again in the middle paintings, mainly collage, but also a lot of glazing of these old timey, one's a cricket player. I don't even like cricket. He's a, cric <laughs> he's a cricketer from 17 something. And I have this whole piece with collaged old papers, but his picture in it. And then I found a photo of a little boy with a cricket bat. So I put that on there to look, to make it look like it was him. Um, and I just was like, why, this is really weird. I don't know why I'm doing this because it doesn't relate to my normal landscape inspired work. Um, but this box is really, it's like a little treasure trove of inspiration for me. And I'm finding it interesting now to, to go through the box and think which things are exciting to me and which things are not, because there's all sorts in there. Yeah. And weirdly, I find that I love um, old receipts 
like I've got some old receipts from a, a farm supplies place from 1920 and I've got um, a plumbing receipt from the early 1900s for a big building somewhere that was being renovated and it's all the plumbing and it's handwritten. I don't know why I find that interesting. So I want to dig a bit more in to which things I'm finding, I think it's the snippets of people's lives. The receipts are a snippet of a life. The photographs are a snippet of a life. Um, but I don't know why I find them interesting or what they might lead into. I don't think you need to know. If, it, if you light up, that's all yeah. you need to know. I'm lit up, put that down or use that. Yeah. If you don't need to figure it out now, this could be a huge breakthrough. This is exciting. It could what? be. And yeah. I think it was meant to be that I talked to you today because you're, you're talking about playing with the circle is making me think I'm doing it again. I'm rushing to try and work out why I, why I like these things. What is it going to end up as? What's the point? Instead of just messing about with it and seeing what happens. Yeah, just see what happens. That's so oh. exciting. that's it for us this week it's been absolutely brilliant having you jackie thank you very much we always have fun i adore you <laughs> and please check out jackie's website the link will be in the show notes you can as always find me on instagram or on facebook and if you feel so inclined you are very welcome to buy us a copy at ko-fi.com slash art juice thanks very much we'll see you next week Bye. Bye. So, just in the off chance that you say anything horrible like I did, we can take I, it out. I doubt I, you will. I babble, so I could definitely just say <laughs> <laughs> No one can see. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Within reason, because you might make me giggle if you do something too crazy. <laughs>